Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, guys. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. It's been a weird, 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 wacky two weeks, hasn't it? Uh, hopefully, all of you are very staying safe. Did I say that right? Very staying, staying very safe. Um, and uh, wearing your masks. Uh, I was fortunate enough, we had a company called Vogue Mask. Uh, I was complaining back at Cedia Show last year, 2019, uh, that I always get sick. I'd just gotten sick uh, twice that year um, and gotten walking pneumonia. And so, uh, uh, and I got it from a plane, getting on planes with people and they're sick and then I get the flu and then, you know, everything goes down. So, uh, and then of course, you know, one of my bad habits is I'm like, I can make it through this. I can hack through this. And I, I let the virus develop and get worse instead of just going in a Z pack. And, uh, then, you know, then I end up with walking pneumonia. <laughs> Fortunately, I've never had to be hospitalized for it. Although uh, there may have been, uh, there's probably other people that go get hospitalized for the same condition I was in. I, I know whenever I called into the teledoctor, they'd be like, you just really go see a doctor, man. <laughs> I'm like, no, just give me a Z-back. I'll be fine. I have a weird, I've always had a weird system where I've always been able to really bounce back with penicillin. Um, and usually just a small amount of penicillin just kicks me right into gear. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, this is a, this is a scary time. I think everyone's pretty concerned. They're pretty concerned about the economy, their jobs, their families. Uh, I know my number one job right now is to take care of my mom and make sure that she survives this sort of thing. That's written on my, uh, goal board. The number one job that I have is to make sure my mom makes it through this. She's 76 or 77. She's asthmatic. Uh, she, um, I mean, she has bad allergies. If she gets around my dogs too much when they visit or uh, allergies in the backyard, she can go into coughing fits. Uh, this is not the uh, bug that I want her to get, the COVID-19 uh, coronavirus. So I hope you're watching out for all your loved ones. Um, so Vogue Mask sent us some masks to review, and they sent me you know, a whole box of them. I was fortunate enough to be able to give a bunch of them away to some of my immunotherapy friends or immuno, um, uh, immuno, immuno system friends, people that have weakened immuno systems, in, in other words. So I mailed a bunch of those out, and, uh, and you know, my mom have one. And we've been using it now for the past two weeks, long before the, I believe just today, the Trump administration says, hey, you might want to use the masks. Uh, it turns out South Korea soared through this pretty easy with the masks. Um, so uh, we've been using the masks. We've been uh, trying to, you know, do all the right things. Uh, I try and get groceries for her and clean the groceries and and uh, we do everything to make sure that she's not exposed to the virus as much as possible. Um I think she's had a hard time with, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, she, I want to go shop and do stuff <laughs> and, uh, but she gets it. Um, but you know, this is a scary time and it's really hard for us to adjust our habits. I like to go out and eat. Uh, I like to go to restaurants. I like to go out and try different places and foods and, and, uh, I mean, well, uh, I have been very lucky. I'm a homebody. Uh, I've been working for myself uh, from home since about 2004, so I'm very used to this lifestyle. Uh, single, no kids, so I, I'm just used to being me and my dogs in my house and uh, doing our thing. 
and uh, run our business, making money, all that sort of good stuff. And I'm just really used to that. And so uh, for a lot of people, this is a shock and a challenge. And of course, they have liabilities and different issues that I don't have with the children and, and larger families. Uh, I'm fortunate where my, my family is just pretty much my mother and I need to survive this to take care of my two sisters who are in the care centers. Who, I, who uh, most likely, if we all survive this thing, old age will probably make uh, me have to oversee that. So I'm uh, hoping we survive this. Uh, it's kind of a scary time. Uh, I'm not too worried if I pass. I think I'm more worried about what will happen to my dogs and making sure my mom makes it through this. But if the both of us don't make it through this, I'm really worried about who's going to take care of my two sisters. So uh, I've lived, I lived a pretty good life. Uh, I don't want to die a painful death. I don't want to die in a, uh, you know, whatchamacallit, but uh, I don't think I'm in the greatest health shape or whatever, but I have beaten some pretty bad pneumonia runs. So I don't know if that's going to work for this thing, but uh, you don't want to tempt the devil. So I implore all of you, if you haven't got a chance, wear masks, uh, make some masks at home. If you can't get a hold of masks, we were fortunate enough to have some, like I said, and we've been using them effectively. We've uh, been keeping the six to 20 foot rule for quite some time. You can hear my dog actually doing a squeaky toy in the background. I can't reach her to stop her. So she's, she's going to show off for you guys. And, uh, yeah, man, take care of your loved ones. Watch out for them, especially your older folk. Uh, people that have uh, low immunocompromised systems uh, or immune disease, people maybe that are uh, suffering from cancer, they have a lower uh, immune system uh, because of the drugs that they take, people that are on dialysis and everything else. Uh, a lot of these people, if they can't, if they do get sick, they can't keep taking the drugs that fight their cancer, their dialysis, et cetera, et cetera. So they have to stay clean uh, with their lives. And so it's really important to us. I mean, you, you've got to realize you're not doing this for you, uh, unless you're one of those people. Um, and you're, you know, you're young and vibrant, but we're seeing young and vibrant people go down. It's very scary what's going on with this. So please be aware of what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of different things you can take and look at. I have a whole thing that I've been keeping track of on the coronavirus. Uh, there's several different websites that I track on a daily basis. The uh, coronavirus um, website, it's coronavirus.jhu.edu. You're probably familiar with it. Uh, it is the John Hopkins University of Medicine Coronavirus Resource Center. Uh, there's a few other websites. What else am I monitoring? I'm monitoring off of covidactnow.org. Uh, covid 19.healthdata.org is another place I'm going to. DataWrapper.dwcdn.net. And then, of course, our local uh, Utah government where I'm up here uh, writing a book. Um, so I'm in Utah right now, not in Nevada. And uh, Wolf, what is this one? Wolf, or hold on, let's see. World, worldometers.info. And uh, those are the dailies that I'm taking a look at. One thing that's interesting is I've got a good friend. We've got a coronavirus Facebook group, as you may have heard. And so they're posting daily updates and news on the coronavirus. They're sticking to facts. We're not getting into politics and stuff like that. There's been a lot of interesting data that's come out of there. And one of my friends is tracking something. I haven't seen anybody tracking. Uh, he's a good friend uh, named Brad Smith. 
Um, you'll probably have trouble finding him because there's probably five trillion Brad Smiths in the world. But uh, he's in the group, and so if you get a chance, try and find it. That or send me a message on Twitter at Chris Voss, and I'll try and uh, get you hooked up with it. Uh, you can also see me publishing some of the data there on Twitter at Chris Voss. Uh, just one word, Chris Voss. You can find it there. You can find the Chris Voss Show on Twitter as well if you want to search for it there. Um, but what Brad has been following is the rate of infections percentages here uh, on a daily basis in uh, America. So he's been keeping track of it. And uh, basically on March 23rd, he found that the rates were 33% of new cases and growth that were increasing per day. Uh, at one point, it was up to 50% when it first really got cooking. So now it got dropped down at 33% on March 23rd. Since then, it's been steadily dropping now. Uh, and if you look at the numbers, it just keeps dropping down to where on April 3rd, we hit 14%. So it looks like the stay-at-home orders are working. Uh, and um, that's really helpful. Unfortunately, I was watching uh, Rachel Maddow tonight, and she uh, had one of the leading AIDS uh, uh, clinicians on. I suppose you call it. I don't know the guy. One of the guys who really helped uh, save AIDS patients and 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 uh, bring that sort of reign of terror at least under control. And what he showed was we really should have, as a country, gone to stay at home all at once because the problem we have is we have these states that are staggering it. 11 states still haven't given uh, stay-at-home orders, and uh, Georgia and I think Florida just finally got around to it, and they're catching a lot of heat for it. But uh, uh, we should have done a federal stay-at-home. Everybody stay at home for two months. Now we have this staggered effect where different parts of the country may think they're out of it. Different parts of the country have different things going on. And uh, I don't know how, how we're going to get through this. It's going to be crazy, and it's going to be interesting. Um, and... Uh, we really don't have a choice. <laughs> if you're like me, you wake up every day and I kind of have this, I kind of wake up thinking everything is normal. Like you're in that habit. I had the same problem with my, uh, when my dogs passed away and family and friends pass away, uh, I'll wake up and I'll think my world is perfect. I'm immortal. Everything's great. And then all of a sudden your brain goes, yeah, but you know what? Someone's missing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of that? And then it all comes crashing down and you go, Oh man, <laughs> you know, why did I wake up? Um, and sadly it's like groundhog day. You do that every single day. You wake up and you go, you know, everything is perfect. I'm going to make some money today. And, uh, yeah, I think I'll play some video games and everything will be fine. And then you, your brain goes, um, yeah. Do you remember that whole coronavirus thing? Yeah. That wasn't a dream, buddy. That's real. So it's definitely challenging, um, and but uh, I hope everyone's getting through it and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, so let's talk about a few different things uh, that I'm thinking about. Um, I lived through 2008, and uh, to give you some background, uh, and I've talked about it a little bit before, but I built a lot of different companies uh, for 20 years. And I had a big mortgage company, I had a courier company, I had a uh, modeling and acting agency, a uh, bikini team, uh, there were several different other small little projects I had that I'd worked on, uh, I think it was like 22 different corporations I owned over 20 years. And uh, during that time, I'd built these companies with the mindset that they would be my 
um, that I would retire with them. They were, they were my crown jewels that I was building and they would be around forever and they would be my legacy, if you will. Um, wow. That came crashing down in 2008. I think you're familiar with the collapse of the mortgage market, the economy, everything else. Uh, it was pretty painful. And what was interesting is I it left me with nothing like just everything ended. Nothing I did could save it. I worked my ass off to try and save all my companies to just get anything to go, but everything collapsed. Uh, and the economy basically came to a screeching standstill. And after that, it, it took forever just to get it to grind again and to get anybody to spend a buck on anything. So I took a, uh, so I struggled. Uh, it was a hell of a struggle. It was, it was an interesting struggle to lose everything and have to start basically over again. And, um, so somehow I got through it. I became a consultant to banks. I did some other things, uh, with social media, of course, became the social media, whatever you want to call me, Forbes, all that sort of whatever stuff. And I kind of adapted and adopted in that way. Uh, but it was really hard. I had to try a lot of different things to make it work. My friends uh, used to joke to me, they go, Chris, you've tried so many different businesses and tried so many different ways to make money uh, with this crash, after this crash, that if if it came out that you'd become a international um, arms dealer, <laughs> you're one of those guys, um, we wouldn't be surprised because you're literally going through everything you possibly can to uh, start a business, be in business, stay alive, make some money. Um, and, uh, so that, that was that. And back then, I mean, you still had, like I lived in Las Vegas, you still had the casinos that were operating. You could still go out and shop and grocery shop. You could go to restaurants. You may not have money to do stuff <laughs> or as much money as you'd like to have to do stuff, but you could still like leave your home <laughs> and you didn't have to worry about dying if you didn't. And so it was just kind of more like, well, all right, I can breathe the air. I just need to scratch for some money. I need to scratch for some business. And, uh, you know, for a lot of people, it was getting a J-O-B and, and uh, the uh, layoffs came and people were laid off. It was a crazy time. Well, fortunately, um, I lived through that. And uh, I got to tell you, what I'm seeing now, we just recently saw this week, everything went to 10 million, what is it, 10 million people out of work, um, or 10%, what is it, 10% of the economy now? 10 million people file for unemployment claims. Uh, we may be going up to 10, 20. Some people are even talking about 30% unemployment, uh, something uh, the grand scale of a, of a depression, um, which isn't cool. Um the uh, a lot of businesses uh, are struggling to stay alive. I know, but a lot of businesses are laying off. I just even read the uh, president, quote unquote, uh, use that term as loosely as possible. Uh, just laid off fifteen hundred of his employees from the uh, Trump organization. So uh, no one is immune from this thing, uh, and uh, and a few jobs are safe. Um, so I want to give you some resources to think about some of the different things you can do. I know I talked about that in some of the early episodes, but I've been thinking about it more and more and I've been looking for different things and opportunities to happen. And a lot of this comes to what you want to do is look for opportunities in your areas. Uh, one idea, uh, we've seen this thing and I'm, I'm 
personally shopping for my mom when she lets me. <laughs> Sometimes she likes to go do her own thing, but uh, I'm really trying to get her to stay at home because she's old and uh, has asthma. And the last thing I need her to do is get this uh, sickness. I really like my mom, so my number one goal is to keep her alive. Um, but one one thing you do is do a personal offer to be a personal shopper. Right now, Instacart. I talked about this before, but now it's really come to full fruition. Instacart, Uber Eats. All these websites now, all these systems for grocery delivery are inundated, overwhelmed, and starting to break down. They cannot keep up. And people, and suddenly this sort of genre of industry is in demand. I don't see that demand changing anytime soon because we won't have a, um, they say we won't have a um, remedy for this virus in what could be a year and a half to two years. Um so that means there's about one to two years run of setting up, establishing, laying the foundation for a great business that you can come out of. Because what's going to happen, I think, out of this is more people, when this gets done, they're going to get in the habit of having their groceries delivered. They're going to get in the habit of staying at home. They're going to get in the habit of watching online stuff and doing all this. Uh, they're going to get in the habit of, of uh, homeschooling and interaction with school, Khan Academy. If you're familiar with the Khan Academy, they've got a huge video learning systems uh, and everything else. So, um, so that's an opportunity there, I think, to be a personal shopper. There's some health risks to you because you'd have to be out in public personally shopping. Uh, the stores are definitely matching up from what I see. I want to go to the stores these days, um, with my rubber gloves actually. And, uh, my face mask looks a little weird, but my, my job is to keep my mom alive. So whatever it takes, uh, and my hands are just raw with alcohol uh, rubbing, I guess I need to do, learn how to be like the women, put the lotion on the, on the skin. It puts the lotion on its skin or it gets those again. Anyway. Um, so, uh, a personal shopper business might be good and charge a premium for it. You can't do it. You probably can't do it cheap like Instacart does where they do it on scale. And of course they get so many orders they can stack orders on top of each other. But what you could do is find some luxury clients uh, so people with some pretty good money, offer it up, put an ad on Craigslist and see where it goes. Maybe you can build a business out of that. And if you can charge them enough money that it's valuable enough to them to do that, then there you go. Uh, you can also offer uh, some, uh, maybe some savings to that where you could say, hey, if you use me and you pay me, I don't know, 25 bucks a delivery, 30, 50 bucks a delivery, whatever the case is, certainly you pay like 10 bucks a delivery or 15 bucks a delivery for Instacart, charge like 20, 35, 50, whatever it takes. Um, and and then say, hey, you know what? A portion of our proceeds, if you, any anyone who hires us, uh, we give away free services to someone over 65 or someone who's homebound, who's immunocompromised uh, or is an LJ person. How's that for an idea? People will support that sort of thing. You know, you hear all the time people buying shoes. And uh, and then, of course, these these companies have shoe deals where they go, every time you buy one of our shoes, we give a shoe to some kid in Africa. So um, some opportunities there. People that have money will pay exorbitant prices for comfort because they can afford it and they don't want to be put out. So maybe you could find some luxury clients who will pay you to uh, maybe go do personal shopping for them. Maybe go procure stuff for them. Maybe they would pay you, 
here's a great idea that I just got actually to go take care of their elderly family. Maybe they want someone to take care of the loved ones. Now, what you'd have to do is you'd have to offer several different things for that pricing. You'd have to say, look, I'm your personal shopper. I'm going to wear gloves every time. I'm going to, you know, that I'm going to be extra clean because you and I are going to interact a lot. I'm even going to clean your groceries when I come to your house. All right. So I've talked about this before with Neil Rappaport, who was on my show. We kind of got into some ideas there. Here's some other ideas for you. Uh, uh, right now, there's uh, a, a, an incredible need for masks. In fact, today, the Trump administration said everyone should be wearing masks. And uh, now when I went out to the store tonight, I noticed there was a ton of people wearing masks, and there'll probably be more so. The problem is you can't get these things, so everyone's got to make them. So maybe you can find uh, an elderly person. My mom actually has a sewing machine. I've been kind of looking at it going, hmm, I wonder if I can hire someone who sews. Do whatever. And I'm not looking to charge like $5 trillion. But, you know, the the masks that we got from uh, Vogue mask were $40, $45 for the Vogue mask. Uh, they sold those for a piece. And that wasn't during the time that everything went crazy. Um, so if that was an appropriate price, maybe you could make some really good masks. I noticed uh, someone made some masks for people who sign. And then you could do the same sort of element. You could say, you know what? For every one of these masks you buy for $50 or $45, we make one for an elderly person, give it to them. So it's a you, it's a buy one, get one free concept text where you're helping other people and stuff. So there you go on that. You can figure out how to make these masks. There's people right now that are using 3D printers to make shields and uh, different things for the, uh, this ventilator products and different things that uh, uh, doctors need. They need these face shields where they can have a clear plastic thing that kind of covers their face. It kind of wears it around their, like a headband and holds the plastic over their face to make sure that uh, it's basically like a sneeze guard, if you will, when you go to the salad bar. So uh, there might be some opportunities there. I recently read about this guy who's been making these hyperbaric chamber heads uh, thing that are kind of like a little helmet that goes on you. It's like a plastic helmet. And evidently, you know, he only made a few of these and it was kind of a specialized business for a couple of crazy people like hyperbolic chambers. Um, and, uh, suddenly, uh, he's getting international orders and being swamped with business from all over the world because, because, uh, evidently, this might be an alternative way that it could be successful at ventilating people and the cost of it's much cheaper and much quicker to turn around and produce. So maybe you can come up with some ideas that way. Um, I would implore you that one thing I learned from the 2008 thing is cash is king. Okay. Cash is king. Anything you can eject, anything you can sell that you don't need, any kind of bullshit crap, you don't need that new 4k TV. And here's why. Uh, after 2008, when everything crashed in Las Vegas, now Las Vegas was kind of the epicenter of the market crash. Uh, everyone went broke and how they started going broke is they needed cash. So they went to the pawn shops and they said, Hey man, loan us some money. We're trying to just keep it together. And the pawn shop said, okay, here's some money, blah, blah, blah. You know, paying pennies on the dollar or whatever they do there at the pawn shop. Uh, when everything went to shit, the people defaulted on those, on those, uh, things they put in pawn and, um, and the pawn shops had all this inventory. Well, the problem was, is the whole come, nobody was buying anything. 
So the pawn shops had all this inventory they paid pennies on the dollar for, and they really wanted to get off it, but no one was buying it. So it created a great opportunity for someone who could go in and buy stuff and then put it on like eBay or a national market to sell it, or Amazon has a great market now. They didn't have that whole thing really going back then. At least not that I recall. But you could put it on Amazon, sell it on there. And so you just had to pick your battles. But you can go into pawn shops. I went in and bought some great TVs and some speakers uh, for my guitar. Uh, I used to go in and look for guitars. You always go look for guitars in pawn shops. But it was a great deal because I could go in there. And if I found something I really wanted to buy, uh, I could rip their arms off. because I And I didn't feel guilty about it because I know whoever they got it from, they ripped their arm off. So that's kind of like my revenge. Like, I know you paid somebody pennies on the dollar, and they were fucking broke. So you know what? Two can play in that game, buddy. You're giving me this super cheap. And you know what? I'd walk out sometimes. I'd just be like, nah, I'm not doing it at that price. Man, I could buy this right now for XYZ dollars. I got the cash right here. I'd make them drool. And then I and then I would uh, leave. And sometimes I'd come back like a week later and I'd be like, hey, did you sell that thing yet? And they'd be like, no, we didn't sell it. I'm like, dude, I'll take it off your hands right now. In the meantime, I'd be monitoring eBay, trying to figure out how I could move that stuff on eBay. Or a lot of times it was usually just stuff for me. But the stuff you could get was crazy. Right now, is uh, so what I'm trying to explain to you is cash is really king. You want to do everything you can right now to... Uh, keep and hold as much cash as you can. It's, uh, I would, I would continue paying your bills, continue keeping your credit well, all that sort of good stuff. Don't default on your credit. Uh, if you need to work with a lot of bill, a lot of bill companies are working with people right now and everything else. I know some people are doing, getting some money for, from the government. I, I would say keep all that going because you do need to keep your credit. If you lose your credit, you're definitely going to have some problems in the future. Um, but cash is king. Don't go like a friend of mine posted recently. He's like, uh, I'm looking for some car deals. And I'm like, dude, you shouldn't be looking for a car right now. And I realize you're trying to support the economy, but in about six months, you're going to be on a car fight for pennies on the dollar. There'll be, there'll be car dealers falling over themselves to, um, get, get, get you in a car really cheap. There'll be a ton of foreclosed cars in the market. Sadly. Um, so cash is king. So whatever you're doing right now, if you're trying to buy high expensive items or you're trying to buy junk and crap and all sorts of odds and ends, uh, knock it off. Cash is king. Reserve your cash. Now I'm not talking the economy is going to go into apocalypse and everything else. I'm just saying you really be surprised at how much your burn rate is. Try and figure out what your burn rate is on your budget, how much it costs you to operate every month. Take a look at where you can tighten the belt. Uh, I have two storage units, one in Las Vegas, one in Utah. So what I've done now with both units, they, they were pretty big and I was wasting a lot of money and they were kind of messy. And so there was a lot of wasted space in them. So, uh, once I saw it was going off the market, I went over my two storage units and I've collapsed them into one. I definitely cleaned them up and got them tightened up so that they would all fit, you know, two into one. Turns out pff, I was wasting a lot of space and paying a lot of money. I saved, uh, I think, uh, uh, what would you call it? I'd saved over, uh, well, my bill on one was 200 bucks and I saved 130 and got it down to 60 because the uh, storage unit was willing to negotiate with me. 
And I said, hey, man, I can either pull this out of here or and you'll have nothing. You'll have two empty units or we can agree to move this into one unit. And and but I want that new price that you have. I had this thing where whatever price they gave me a year ago, the price is much different now and it's much less. And when I went to him and I said, Hey, how come you have a lower price than what you're charging me? They go, they go, well, what you have to do is move your stuff all the way out and then move it back in and we can give you that price. I'm like, that is some jacked up stuff. So, uh, so I went to him when this happened, cause I've been trying to get them to do this for a while. And, uh, and I said, Hey man, uh, look, I either got to pull this out of here, take it someplace else, and you're going to have no business from it. And judging by all the storage units around me, they all have late notices. So uh, I know you need cash. Uh, but here's the deal. You've got to work with me on, on letting me um, squeeze these two units into one and getting my price down. And they were there was no question. They were just like, yes, whatever we can do, whatever we can do to keep your business. Yeah. Businesses right now are really interested in keeping your business and keeping your money because they realize what's going on. So this gives you a good negotiating position where you can negotiate deals. You might want to contact some of your credit card companies and say, hey, look, I need some changes to the rate. I need some changes to the fees. Uh, even I'm going through my credit cards now. I noticed there's a couple of credit cards I have that are paying, charging me some admin fees and, and a, a couple junky things. I got to find out what they are because I... I've been caring. I'm like, yeah, whatever, just pay it. Um, but this is a time where cash is king, and you don't want to start uh, looking for cash when you're out of cash. So uh, the one lesson I learned from 2008 is cash is king, and don't buy stupid shit now. If you bought some stupid shit recently, you can take it back. Take it the fuck back. You do not want to burn cash. Cash is going to be king. And the longer you can keep... Uh, your burn rate down and how much cash you're going through. You can tighten your belt. Uh, fortunately, uh, I'm used to tightening my belt uh, meal-wise. So uh, a couple of years ago, those of you who know me, back in, I think it was 2016, I went on a kick where I got tired of being, what was it, like 350 pounds, and I felt like shit, and I just broke one day. I, I just felt like I was just walking death all the time, and I felt so shitty. And so I finally just said, fuck it, I'm losing weight. And I got a hold of um, a book by uh, Penn, uh, by, uh, I forget his last name, Penn and Teller. Anyway, I got a hold of his book. And he talked about how he lost 100 pounds. And he gave me a vision and, and a roadmap to work from. And the roadmap was he basically went vegan. <laughs> and he also and I also quit out drinking all the pop I was drinking. Um so I went vegan, started losing three pounds a day, and I learned to, uh, one of the things that I was doing was uh, intermittent fasting. I didn't really know what it was at the time. I just adopted this thing of when I woke up in the morning, I'd have a coffee, and I'd go as far as I could, uh, just drinking a coffee, and as far as I could before having a breakfast or lunch. And it got to the point where I could get to about lunch without really feeling hungry. I'd never eat before bed, and if I was hungry, I'd still go to bed at night. And uh, and it got down to where I was eating two meals a day. I was losing three to four pounds a day, um, and, uh, and it was crazy. And I learned how to be a vegan, how to eat like a rabbit, 
you know, almost living on nothing. And, uh, I used to brag. I used to, I used to take pictures of my cart and show people my, my shopping bill. And I'm like, Hey man, here's all the money I saved. And one of the problems I had before that was I was eating out at restaurants and fast food and, you know, uh, living it up. And all of a sudden I started sitting home and cooking and eating right and cooking right and learning to cook and eat right and eat healthy at home and learning how much trans fat and all the different crap they put into your food, all the butters they use and everything. So, um, I learned how to do all of that. So fortunately right now I'm able to come back to that well of experience. And while I don't have to starve myself like I did when I was trying to lose weight and trying to be a vegan, I certainly haven't gone back to being a vegan. I'm sorry. The vegan being vegan is cool. Uh, I lost a lot of weight, but, uh, I, you know, I, it wasn't the most funnest experience of my life. It was fun at the time for the adventure, but I, I'm not sure it's something I could do long term. I probably should. Let's put it that way. It's one of those things that everyone should do. <laughs> so, um, but I have the experience to go from. So now I'm back to cooking for myself. I'm saving a shitload of money by not going out to restaurants all the time, not wasting food. Uh, you know, right now I'm still seeing a lot of people that uh, haven't adopted to that or can't adopt to that yet because they haven't uh, uh, put that gun to their head, if you will. Um, the, today when I was out shopping and any time I've been out in recent weeks, uh, I see huge, huge lines at the fast food stores, which probably isn't healthy. I mean, I, I understand we got to support the restaurants a little bit, maybe for delivery, but, but holy crap, it's really evident people do not know how to cook for themselves and fend for themselves. So they're out spending shitloads of cash, uh, eating really bad food, uh, and fast food probably isn't the th best thing to eat all the time. I can tell you that is the best witness to that experience. You feel like shit, and considering the world's going to hell, you feel even shittier. <laughs> So at least you feel empowered if you can make your own food, if you can cook. Uh, a lot of my friends are learning to cook again. They're getting really good at it. Um, my mom the other day uh, went up and uh, she had made probably the best meatloaf meatballs. or No, it was meat, meatloaf. She also makes meatballs for spaghetti. But she had made probably the best meatloaf I ever had. And she's been, you know, stuck at home. So she's like, hey, I'm going to watch Martha Stewart and all the people and, and I'm going to, you know, she's got plenty of time on her hands because she's at home now. And, uh, so she made probably one of the best meatloafs I've probably had in my life. I, I could not think of a time that I've had better meatloaf. Uh, and I've eaten a lot of really nice restaurants around the world. I, I, uh, I was stuck. I was like, this might be the best. Uh, <laughs> it was really good. And she copied, you know, some, person the recipe but she put a lot of love and care into it so uh this is a time to learn some new skills so here's an idea for you this is what i'm getting around to maybe you could help cook for some people who have money who have success uh and they're high-end clients and they would like people to cook for them and maybe you could help cook for some people who are shut-ins or elderly people. Maybe they have some money. Or maybe you could work it out to somehow you could say, look, if you help us, we deliver food to shut-ins that are elderly people who can't afford us. And, uh, you know, it's the pay-it-forward sort of program. Um, so there's an idea for you. Maybe you're a fairly good cook. You could take that baby to the next level, learn that business. Uh, when I lived in Vegas, there was actually gals there. And we weren't in a recession. We were just in the 
normal times like uh, just a few years ago and they were really good cooks for dessert they would make killer like orange bread and uh, cinnamon rolls and everything else and they would sell them on craigslist and i bought some and i was just like holy shit these are really good and they would actually take orders you'd have to pay for the orders then you go over to their house pick them up and you'd have these great homemade food stuff which is way better than you could get in the store sorry stores <laughs> But, you know, it was homemade cook and you meet you meet the gal and 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 his, her husband and her kids and you'd be just like, "Thanks, you know, pay him and all that good stuff and away you go." We're probably going to move more to you're probably going to see more barter systems. I remember with my father when uh, I was a kid, I think I was about 11, and we were going through some sort of recession or some sort of challenging financial time uh in the 70s or 80s and uh, my dad got into some of these groups that were barter groups and they would trade services and works and stuff. And I remember I needed my, I think I needed my eyes done my, for contacts or I needed, I think it was my contacts or my teeth done. I don't remember which it was. And somehow my dad had traded services with somebody for these really nice expensive lamps. And then he bartered those lamps for my teeth or my eyesight. Uh, and they had this barter group and you may see more of that going on where people will trade services and stuff, especially if this recession gets very deep, be prepared for this sort of stuff, cut your overhead, uh, right now, sell anything that you don't need because you're going to be surprised when it comes down to tightening your belt and figuring out what you need or don't need. There's a lot of shit you're going to find you don't need when you need cash and you need some food or you need to pay bills. Um, so take a look around your, around your space and get ready because it gets deep. I remember, uh, going through my system where I'd be like, well, as long as I can keep my gold watches, I'll be fine. Then the gold watches went, as long as I can keep my two BMWs, I'll be fine. <laughs> then one of the BMWs had to go. Then I had to get rid of the other BMW. Uh, as long as I can keep this, my piano, um, well, piano had to get sold. Uh, and it just, it just was this constant fight to, uh, try and keep things that I really didn't need. And one of the great things that came out of that experience, uh, was from fight club where I realized that the things you own end up owning you and paying for them and everything. I mean, I used to have this incredible life, multiple places to live, I travel all the time, uh, different cars, different airports, a crazy, crazy life. And the problem with that is these, all these spinning plates on a high wire and it's crazy to have to keep them running, but you find out you enjoy life from a much simpler, um, thing when you have less to maintain and, uh, a, a much more simpler life, if you will. So, uh, take a look around at what you can do. Maybe you don't need that Tesla or that BMW or that Mercedes. Uh, maybe it's time to move down into a cheaper car, something that has less uh, cost equated to it. That might be a thing that you can take and do. Um, and uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, you can take and uh, uh, cut your overhead in every uh, place that you possibly can. So that's my recommendation. 
and look for different opportunities. Maybe you can make some masks so you can figure out how to sew. Maybe you can figure out how to do this 3D printing thing. You don't have to own a 3D printer. Maybe you know a friend who has one, You and you can form a business with them. And you say, hey, let's form a business. We'll make some stuff that people can use. Uh, certainly masks are something I think people are definitely going to need in the next short while. Uh, different hospital services are things that you can take and do. Uh, I think people would need personal cooking, personal shopping. I mean, there's a lot of people right now that are cooking at home for their families because they're stuck. Um, here's another idea for you. Uh, uh, online learning. There, I have friends right now that are talking about starting online learning courses and making them and selling them. Uh, different things that parents can buy to keep their kids happy at home. There's certainly, these kids are, I think most all the schools in America now are out. They're out for the rest of the school year, and they're out for the summer. These parents are going to be the end of their fucking wits when it comes to September if school even starts then. And if it doesn't, there might be some murders taking place. I'm just saying. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But people might lose their mind and blow their own brains out. Um, so parents right now really need different resources to keep their kids interested in new things, keep them learning, keep them educated. So maybe you know an educator, maybe you are an educator, maybe you're someone who has some different ideas on teaching some courses. One of the things that ways that I survived the 2008 uh, crash was I started writing eBooks and selling those eBooks on how to do different things like social media, how to master Twitter, how to keep from getting suspended on Twitter was like my biggest hit. Um, Maybe write some different ebooks or some training manuals or some videos. Right now, my YouTube channel has a 300% increase in viewership. Now, I've had my YouTube channel for, I don't know, a billion years, 10, 10 11 years. Uh, I think it's like almost 60 million minutes viewed. It's crazy. Uh, and I, of course, we keep doing reviews and we keep posting those and everything else. There's not a lot of money in that business, but we've built a cumulative library of stuff that we can make some money on uh, that hopefully can weather us through this storm. Uh, and the nice thing is, as long as Google doesn't go into business, I'll be there. So maybe there's some training videos that you can make. You can put them on Vimeo and put them behind a paywall, or you can put them on, you can do that with YouTube now if you want. Put them behind a paywall so that people can pay to do them. Maybe you can do some entertainment videos for adults, maybe entertainment videos for kids, maybe education, uh, different things that people want to learn. I remember one of my friends uh, during that crash and recovery time, he had uh, taught himself to use QuickBooks. And so he started doing video courses and trainings uh, on how to do QuickBooks. And all these people are out of work. And so what he would do is he would take and uh, train people to do that. And he got all these people, all these great jobs. A lot of them went into tax preparation. A lot of them went into accounting and stuff. So he had all these people that were trying to learn to retrain their brain to some new skills where they could go make some money and get new jobs. And they did well. I, I had a few other friends that actually started job websites. Now, I know that sounds crazy to compete with LinkedIn, but he did it. He went and created job websites, and people would sign up, people would subscribe, they'd pay a monthly thing, much like LinkedIn does. And uh, and uh, he would make some pretty darn money in it. I know because he was using it the Santa Ana track, spending it gambling. Um <laughs> Uh, so he was making some pretty good money off it. So people are going to need more job help. Maybe you could be a resume preparer. Maybe you could be a, a job preparer. Maybe you could be a PR agent. A lot of these clients um, that are out there in the marketplace, like a lot of the companies I've worked for, 
uh, were used to going and doing shows like CES, NEB show, all these shows that I've lost money on because I can't go to them anymore. Although, uh, hopefully at the end of this year, uh, we're, we're going to see some of the shows, but even like shows like NEB, the national broadcaster shows, they're now going to do an online show. So now I'm rejiggering my whole, uh, business models that we usually do at shows for interviews and stuff like that to help promote the online version of these. And of course that square fits right into my mold with, uh, how we do things because we do a lot of online promotion for companies that are at these shows. Well, now I know they've got some more money to spend because they didn't spend all this money to ship all their employees and, and ship a booth and buy a booth and all this kind of crap they do when they do a show. Uh, they've got a little bit more money to spend with me now and they know me because I've been building that business for uh, quite a few years now. So maybe you could figure out a way to uh, utilize that business. These companies are going to be looking for PR agents that can, that can do this business. And, a lot of them that maybe they already have PR agents. Uh, sadly, a lot of people are going to fall by the wayside. There might be people that aren't going to survive this from a health basis. There might be some people that are just like, hey, I don't want to do this business anymore. I'm going to go just retire and fuck it. I'm not doing PR anymore for you people. And so now they need more PR agents. There is always, you know, that rotatious, that rotation, that attrition in the business. So give that some thought. Look around at different things you can do. One of the things I also wanted to impart to you is uh, I was looking uh, over some different material. Let me see if I can pull this up here. Uh, and it was kind of interesting um, on uh, what was out there. States that are projected to lose jobs due to uh, the coronavirus. 14 million jobs could be lost by summer, according to them. We know that... Uh, uh, over 10 million people have filed, so they weren't far off. They wrote this on March 25th, 2020. This is from the Economic Policy Institute at epi.org. And if you want, just send me a, uh, a reach out and I'll send you a link to it, but I'm sure you can find it. So they went through all the states that are going to be hit the hardest. Some of the hardest states are going to be Nevada. Uh, the casinos are completely closed, and that is a casino town. That town's going to be hit hard. Um, and I remember living through 2008 and seeing, uh, I remember on our street, we had like every third or fourth home was, uh, filled. So every three to four homes were empty. It was a ghost town. You would hear it. You go out in the street and you'd hear these little crickets and you'd be like, wow, that's kind of cool. Why are there crickets in the middle of the day? They weren't crickets. They were the fire alarms that had run out of battery in all the homes and no one to replace them because no one was there. They'd abandoned their homes and walked away. Um, and you would just hear them all at night and during the day. If you went out, out to the street, fortunately you didn't hear them in your house. Otherwise that drive you mad, but Nevada's going to be hit hard. Hawaii will get hit hard. According to them, Florida's going to be hit hard. Uh, Montana, Wyoming, New Mexico, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, a lot of the sort of extremist states. It looks like the South is going to be hit very hard. So if you live in some of these areas, you may want to take a look at, at some of these reports and decide how are things going to be hit hard. Now, we know that restaurants are one of the hardest things that are getting hit. People who wait in restaurants, people who work at restaurants, people in those service industries have been hit really, really hard. So, Maybe what you could do is look at different products or services you can take and do to try and help them. I've got a friend who's got an app where he helps restaurants, uh, and he's been on the show. You may have seen it before. It's called the Gifter app. 
and you can Google it. There's an app on the thing. It's kind of like Yelp, only it's for restaurants who uh, want to sell gift certificates. So you can buy a gift certificate, and then you can use it any time. This is a great way to raise cash for these uh, restaurants for when they finally come out of this drought and what they're going through. Um, and maybe you could offer them some different ways to do stuff. Maybe you could offer them some delivery services maybe they don't have access to or some custom delivery services that they don't have access to. Um, uh you know, just look for the opportunity in your area as to what you can do. I know we all go through the shock and awe of this. There's the denial phase. There's the, there's the oh, my God, this is really happening phase. But I, I got to tell you, the quicker you can get through this thing and go, okay, what do I need to do with my finances? How do I make cash as king? How do I cut my overhead? Uh, this is just like, this is basically what every business is doing right now. Every business is laying off employees. They're cutting their overhead. They're cutting their fat. They're cutting their waste and they're squeezing it down so they can get as far as they can with their burn rates, um, of cash and whatever they have on hand assets and stuff to get them through this. So that's what you need to do with your personal expenses. You need to do the very same thing. Now, I'm not saying you should lay off your, uh, maybe your husband and your kids, although, I don't know, maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you guys are costing too much. We're, there's too much eating going around here. One of you is going to have to go. Here's a pink slip. Bye. Sorry. Um, you know, I hope you can get adopted someday. <laughs> um, try and get through. If it's between you and the dog, son, we're keeping the dog. <laughs> Uh, so you don't, you don't have those sort of opportunities where you can cut, uh, manpower, <laughs> uh, but, uh, take a look at what you're spending, what you're doing. This is not a time to invest in new real estate. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new homes after this. That's another thing you want to think of. I had one friend who's is, is building a home in Florida right now. And I told him, I said, dude, you might want to back that thing off because that, but what you paid for that real estate is going to be a third of what that cost is going to be uh, a year from now. I've been seeing houses for sale popping up in my area, and I know what people are doing. They're trying to sell close to the top because they know things are going to tank. But what they know also is that once things tank and we go through the period, they're going to be able to buy really nice houses for pennies on the dollar. And I saw that go from the 2008 period. Um, uh, when I moved back from California to Las Vegas, I moved into a home that was had been bought uh, in uh, pools of hundreds of homes. They bought like, I think, 800 homes. Um, and they bought them out of bankruptcy from the uh, HOA associations who actually in the state of Nevada had first right of uh, first right of title. So they were actually able to supersede the uh, bank notes and they literally bought these homes that had a hundred to 200,000, 300,000 dollar liens on them for as little as sometimes 10 or $15,000. Um, and it was crazy. It was a crazy time. And within a year, these homes were back to being worth 880,000, 140,000. Um, so this is why it's important to not be buying crazy shit right now. If you're looking to take an expensive wedding, you're looking to expen take expensive trips. Of course, those are out. Uh, if you're looking to buy expensive items, 4k TVs, computers, all that sort of stuff, wait, sit on your cash. Cash is going to be king. Um, if you can move your house or sell your house or, or cut your overhead when it comes to rent, uh, you don't want to definitely get into some long-term contracts over the next one to two years because you're want to get, get out of those because, uh, so let's say for example, you're renting a house, you're renting an apartment. Uh, 
a year from now, two years from now, you're going to pay a third of what you're paying for that place. And if you want to keep paying the same and you can afford it, you'll probably have a mansion. Okay. When I moved back from California, I was able to get like a giant freaking home for myself. Little old me and my two dogs. I literally got this beautiful half acre place, uh, four bedrooms, three baths. Uh, at one, at one point I considered paying an extra, it was like an extra hundred bucks a month to get a pool. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, and I almost did that, but pools are pretty expensive to maintain and, and you don't ever use them. Uh, I'm not just the pool guy. So, and, and I maintaining one of those things is a nightmare of cost. And you, you know, guy has to come over and make sure and acidify it or whatever the hell I do. It's, it's fucking a whole business. And you know, that's a great business too. I remember seeing the guys that would work on the pools in Vegas and I'd be just like, that's a hell of a job. And, um, at first it seemed like a bad job because you're like, well, all the business, all the people who own these homes went out of business. Well, what happened was all these investment pools came into Las Vegas, started buying these properties. And of course they would want those properties maintained so they could have value and they wouldn't go to shit and they could resell them. So they would end up hiring you. And of course these were multi millions and millions, hundreds of millions of investment pools that were doing this. So, great opportunity for a client that you know won't default and will pay their bills in a market like that. So start looking around for that. If you're someone who knows how to prepare resumes, you're someone who knows how to tutor people. I, I've got one friend, she tutors people to go to college and gets them ready for their grades, their SATs and all that sort of good stuff. Look for different ways you can personally serve things. Personal service businesses are great because most of what you just have to expend is your intelligence, your thinking and your time and your sweat equity. Now, if you do a product where uh, you have to make a widget and sell a widget, there's a certain amount of hard costs that's in there and a certain amount of investment you'd have to take and make and then scalability and et cetera, et cetera. So try and figure out some different ways you can do that. If you're recently unemployed, I'm sorry, but take a look at it from right now at this time. You probably got some unemployment you can run on hopefully. Uh, and, and take a look and go, okay, what do I know? What are my skill sets? What do I have within my toolbox and wealth and knowledge that I can share? Can I write a book? Can I start speaking? There's not enough speaking gigs going on, but this is going to change sometime in the next year. So you're going to be able to get a chance to give that a shot. This is right now a great time to write a book, which I, is what I'm doing. So, uh, and now, <laughs> One of the th- problems I have is one of the one, probably it's not a problem is I can't go and be like, hey, I don't want to write my book today. I think I'm going to go play at the restaurant and then uh, take a drive up north and go shopping and fuck around and shit. Now I'm like, oh, I'm stuck in my home. I can't leave because the virus is outside the door. It keeps banging. And it's like, let me in. And I'm like, no, I don't want to die. And uh, and so uh, maybe I'll work on that book there because uh, <laughs> Actually, I'm doing a lot of video gaming, but don't tell anyone. Shh, it's a secret between us. So, uh, <laughs> there's some book writing going on. <laughs> Just not as much as there should be. Let's put it that way. I'm being honest. <laughs> what can I say? There, But there's progress. It's slow. <laughs> so, anyway, book. this might be a great time to write a book on your life and your experience, on your what your toolbox is, things that you have to share with people. Sit down and look at your assets and go, what do I have? What do I know that a lot of people don't have? What are some of the angles that I have? Uh, for instance, with my book, I have a lot of different angles that I use with my businesses. Now, 
uh, everybody's written an entrepreneur book. It's like uh, my friends will be like, what, do you, what kind of book are you going to write about, Chris? Mm, about entrepreneurism, starting a business, running a business. And they're like, yeah, but everyone's already done that bullshit. And I'm like, no, they haven't done what I've done because I'm going to be giving my spin, my take on it, some of the tricks, tips, and things that I use to work for me that I don't think I've seen many people do. Some of the different mindsets, the the um, the different uh, analogies or things that I would run in my head to get me through stuff or get me to innovate, uh, I haven't seen a lot of other people do. Or some of it's the so it's the storytelling of that. So it's my stories of that experience and what I learned and how hopefully people who are like me or want to be like me can educate themselves to that way. And that would provide value. Uh, there's different things you could do with that sort of uh, knowledge. You could go out to your local rotary things. I believe the rotary still does a meet. They used to do this meet back in the day. I remember going to them when we were starting our businesses where you go to these breakfasts and then you pass out cards. Probably can't do that now, but maybe someday in the future. But take a look at your asset base and go, what do we know? What can we work together on? If you're a uh, husband and wife or uh, uh, male and male, female, female, significant other, whatever your sort of situation is, maybe look at how you can team up with each other. One of my best friendships, one of my best business uh, partnerships was a friendship. And we were both very different. I was very uh, innovative, visionary, uh, but repeating stuff and doing mundane tasks wasn't my thing. I was great at building things, making things, uh, throwing me in the jungle to go uh, clear a path and bring in the team. Uh, that was my really good job at doing that, being able to figure out problem solve all that sort of shit his job was if you asked him to to you know come up with anything he'd just be like i got nothing but he was really good at mundane tasks and doing the repetitive stuff so we work great as a team where he could say i could say hey here's what i made and here's how to do it but can you do it because this is going to make me insane if i got to do this every day and he'd be like i can do that I can do that and I can do it really well. And he was really good at doing that well. So we made a great team. So maybe you could look at your, your partnerships with your wife or maybe another friend or whatever. You know, right now I'm looking at a lot of different business opportunities and I'm looking around at my friends going, okay, what's my asset toolbox? What do I have in my asset toolbox to make this Maybe make some deals, make some stuff work. Okay, maybe I want to build a website. Okay, who do I know that can build this type of website? Okay, who's a close friend of mine that I can call in and we could build this thing together. They trust me. They know me. We can build this thing. We can sweat equity to this motherfucker. And uh, maybe this thing will catch legs and we'll both make some money. Um, so I'm kind of looking for a lot of those different opportunities. I'm going through my asset toolbox. And so that's what I really recommend you do at this point in time. And this is why making cash is king is important and cutting your overhead. You know, maybe you want to move down to uh, a cheaper place to live. Maybe you want to, uh, maybe you have a parent that you can move in with and help them. Uh, and whatever might be stressful, but maybe they need someone to shop for them. Uh, maybe you have, uh, you know, just look at the different asset toolbox that you have and different resources that you have that you can maybe do to cut your overhead, cut your costs. And then you can use this money to invest in building your new business and all that good stuff, learning how to do it and everything else. So, uh, there you go. And you'll be surprised what people pay for. 
I remember the first time I was doing Twitter and I was trying to save my companies and I was trying to learn Twitter and I kind of mastered Twitter and I was like one of the top 1,000 people on Twitter in like 2008 or some shit. And like everybody knew me as a small crew of like uh, 20 people or 30 people had really mastered it. We had like 75,000 followers, which was huge back then. And, and just, I, I could, I could put on a link on my website and get 70,000 hits a, a month or 7,000 hits. I don't remember what it was, but it was huge. Maybe it was 7,000 a day, but it was crazy. And I remember one time, one day I had someone call me up, the CEO of a company and he goes, Hey man, we see what you do on Twitter there. You're kicking ass. Uh, can you come teach us what you do and we'll pay you for it? And I was like, wait, you'll pay me for this stupid shit I'm doing? what <laughs> there's money in this <laughs> and he's like yeah we will pay you to have us teach you and i'm like are you fucking serious because i'd probably do it for free if i didn't know any better <laughs> so i went over and they were my first customer and they got me on this road that i've been on ever since in uh, rebuilding after 2008 so right now i'm calling in my 2008 memories my ability to do whatever and the one nice thing that i have to rely on between the 2008 recovery and me being able to start new businesses and survive that and come out of it pretty well. Um, and then also through my diet and learning to cook again and feed myself, uh, what, what's come out of that is, uh, right now I feel pretty okay. I'm doing okay. I've taken a look at my finances, chopping everything down to pieces I haven't bought anything new at the beginning of the year. I was going to buy some really nice new computers and some other different toys that I wanted, uh, bigger 4K TV, things of that nature. And fortunately, I didn't spend that money. So uh, I kind of started to see what was going on with the coronavirus, and I went, whoa, man, this China thing is really freaking me out. And I could see that the shows were starting to get a little uh, shaky. And I'm like, we should probably just sit on cash right now and ride this and see where it goes. So that's what I did, and I'm in a pretty good position because of it. Not the best. I really wish I would have done more saving money. But you, this is one of those things you just don't see coming. But right now is the time to cut that overhead, to cut the fat, tighten the belt before you run out of cash. And then you can use some of that cash to start your business to get some moves made. And hopefully one of those moves can trigger and roll for you. So that's my advice to you. If you're out there worried about your job, if you're out there, if you've lost a job, I mean, certainly 10 million people have lost their jobs. Um, see what you can take and do. Take care of yourself. Take care of your health. Take care of your family's health. Right now, uh, I'm, I'm actually more kind of worried about what's going on with the coronavirus at ending up in the hospital or having my mother end up in the hospital than I am being flat broke because I've already been flat broke. I've survived that. Um, I know what that's like. I know what the mental game is that I have to play with myself to deal with that. I, I kind of, I know what it's like to go through that dark fucking period. Now it might be not fun for me, but at least right now I can pull from my toolbox and I can go, I've done this before. I can make it through this again. And I know kind of the steps I need to take to do it. So we can just cut right to the chase and skip the line. Um, so this is what I really, really, really advise you to do. And I hope that if you're out there and you need these resources, I've given you some because I love you and I really want to see us all get through this. So uh, not only from the health factor and survivability factor, but also from the business factor, because we all got to make some money, people, and get this economy back online. <laughs> 
So I, I need you to do your part. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, seriously, uh, the, um, uh, take a look at all these different things. So those are the things I learned in 2008. And I got to tell you, man, it's all coming back to me and I feel, uh, some strength from it. I don't feel as helpless anymore because I'm working towards taking control of what I can control. And that's really important. If you look at what we're going through right now, there's a lot of stuff we can't control. We can't control getting the virus too much, but we have some control over it. So we've got to expend as much time and resources as we can make sure we don't get the virus. We've also, uh, we can't control if we're going to get laid off. We can't control what our employers are going to do. We can't control what the economy is going to do or where their customers are going to dry out. So what you've got to do is try and figure out a way to make that work for you. So take a look at what your asset toolbox is. I'm going to keep calling it the asset toolbox. Try and figure out a way to make that work for you, maybe turn into a business. And this is what every entrepreneur does. I'm not telling you to do any some anything different than anything else I would ever tell you at any given moment to do. This is what every uh, entrepreneur does. Out of crisis, they become the phoenix that rises from the ashes. Uh, if you're familiar with, uh, who's the English uh, author? She wrote the Harry Potter books. If you're familiar with her story, she was broke. She had her kids and she was trying to make a buck. And she's, I think she was living on the public dole and, and she was just, you know, at the end of her wits. And so she, I think she started going to the library. She started writing these stories and she's like, no one's going to buy these stupid stories, but I'm going to write them because I don't know. I feel better about what's going through them. And then, and then voila. And now she's richer than the queen of England, I think still. Um, so good for her. And so out of these dark moments are born those seeds to rise from the ashes. So give yourself the opportunity to, to take advantage of those things. I know I've gone along in this podcast, so I really appreciate you staying with us uh, through this whole thing. And be sure to watch uh, our future podcast because we're going to be talking about a lot of different things and tips to go through this. You're going to like the next one, actually. It's going to be kind of interesting. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, guys, uh, love you. Thanks for tuning in. I expect all of you to be here for the next one and uh i expect all of us to be in a big room someday with a drink in hand we're gonna go we made it through that shit we survived and we're better for it and uh we may have lost a few people but for the most part uh we made it through and we survived and we hopefully are better people and a better nation and a better world on the other side of that we learned something anyway guys peace be with you be blessed hang in there and if you need to feel free to reach out to me at chris voss on twitter or chris voss on linkedin and uh if you ever need to call me you need someone to talk to i'll try and be there for you okay thanks for tuning in guys we'll see you next time